and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. Marler, we're about a week away right now, Lauren and I are, from closing on our home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, every every week or so, we've been doing, like, kind of, you know, the little drive-bys, as you do, you know, to make sure that everything's all right. We're doing it in part because they're putting on a, they put on a new roof, which uh-huh. is great. It's going to save a lot of money, of course. Everybody that's had to go through that process knows what I'm talking about. Dude, we didn't have to pay for it, which was great. Um, and you know, it wasn't necessarily weird because the family who like were, who lived there previously, they've been moved out for about a month. I think they moved down to Tampa or something. Um, but we've been looking around, just kind of seeing, you know, like what the neighbors are doing at different times of the yeah. day, you know, as one does. No, why do I say this? It's really weird, but keep going. <laughs> why, why do I say all of this? I say this because I think neighbor Terry, I want him to be our neighbor and I think he'd be the best possible neighbor for us Without a doubt. in this process. Yeah. That's what I learned from our conversation. Yes, that's right. As you saw by the title, as you saw probably from social media, Neighbor Terry Wilson, he joined us. Great, great interview. I, I like him even more than I did before. I, I'll agree with that. I, I will say I felt really embarrassed, and it's going to be one of those things I know that will um, haunt my inner thoughts uh, and insecurities for, for a long, long time of when I asked him about, you'll hear it later in the interview, about Tillamook ice cream. He had no idea what I was talking about. I'm so glad that you brought up that really weird drive-by checking on, spying on your not-neighbors yet, because that makes me not sound as creepy and i feel like we might have collectively <laughs> brought this this podcast down to a weird creepy level but i at least in, as an individual don't feel that bad yeah i mean like you asked him a question about you know a, a place that he lived in for six months roughly yep. and really put a lot know, of stock in that that was not my best move that was uh there was a lot of faith that you had in that answer when i saw that i, I thought about asking you like, oh, i get to talk him out of that nope, you know, nope we're i added that it slide. in there while we were doing the interview and i thought to myself, Chris, your instincts are, are rarely ever wrong, so why would you not trust them? And I was wrong. That's all right. That's all right. Still a great interview, nonetheless, with the Kentucky quarterback. That is coming up. Later, we have a little mailbag edition of Fourth and Wrong that our buddy Jay Woody put together for us. We're going to answer some of your questions. We've got all of our usual week five picks over unders. We even have a lock of the week. Marler's going to talk some some Big Ten gambling because Marler is the most excited person in the world when it comes to Big Ten gambling. That I know. Um, but before we do all of that, Marler, um, I'm really low on Texas Pete right now, and I oh. forgot to get it at the store, which is not great. Not, no, great. not great. So um, I'm very fearful right now. Wow. Well, the only thing that could be worse than that is what happened to us last night, which was like, you know, Allie's still recovering from her appendix, but she's feeling good enough where she can introduce some heat and flavor back to her life. So we were excited about this first meal and we, I was going to grill out chicken. Usually I, I wait till game days um, to get the grill going, especially when it's getting darker, all that kind of stuff. But was, I put on some lights outside. We hung these little lantern light type things. We got the grill up and ready. We fired it up. Came inside for, for a quick second, told myself I was going to get a, a quick little workout in, which I didn't do. Um, by the time I went back out there, Connor, we had plenty of Texas Pete. We had no propane. Oh, I know. that's so, rough. Yeah, it was not, not our best move, but it just makes the waiting for tonight's meal even better. And we cannot wait to have some chicken and some Texas Pete. Anything with Texas Pete is fantastic, and especially game day. So make sure every game day, every day of your life, honestly, but every game day especially, you have a full fridge, full wherever you want to put it, pantry, 
uh, of Texas Pete and all of their products. And make sure you go check those out at texaspeet.com. Uh, and send us your photos from your, your home gating. Uh, you still have a chance, I think, we'll be giving away another tailgating or a home gating kit um, this season as well. And we, said, we got some of those pictures. Some people have really nice setups. I think it was like Darren yes. Walden. His back, his back patio, good gosh. So send us more more of those pics of your home gating setups and uh, make sure you tag us with the hashtag uh, sauce like you mean it, sorry. There's a lot of great domestic bliss in that minute right there. A lot of things that you said that just made me really excited to be a homeowner. I'm patio gonna, furniture. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Our backyard is going to be like a blank canvas right now. There's no hills or anything like that. It's got beautiful Ooh. green grass. It's got a good size. No, I just, I, I grew up with a hill in my backyard and we couldn't really do a whole lot with it. My mm -hmm. mom always wanted to have a pool and you can't put a pool in a backyard that's right. got a hill in it. So it's kind of nice to be able to just have that and know, as we talk about with neighbor Terry Wilson, I just have green grass to mow and that's a beautiful God, thing. it is beautiful. We, so yeah, I'm not going to get into the whole home thing right now because... We just had our, we, we have a, so much, so many trees and so much shade in the front yard. You've been here. Yep. You know what? Sarthak has been here. Came by the other day to pick up a t-shirt. Oh, um, nice. Shout out Sarthak. But uh, we recently tried once again to get grass put down, grass seed put down. And they, like, they like sprinkled, I guess, the seeds all over the walkway. So now we have grass everywhere, Connor. We really, love you're going to love it next time you're here. Beautiful. Beautiful. Before we get into all things picks, I wanted to briefly hit on a very popular topic of conversation nationally in college football this weekend. The Big Ten with it coming back. Ohio State is all of a sudden not that team that's just sitting at home and still being ranked in the top five. 37 of the 62 AP voters had Ohio State still in the top three, which tells you a lot right now about how highly people think of Ohio State. Maybe how not so high that people think of the non-top three teams in the country, which there's something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. But Ohio State is almost in the spot where they're like Clemson, though. Doesn't it kind of feel like that? Where the expectations are just so, so high. And yeah. because of the schedule, I don't know if you've seen the schedule, but, man, they're, they're going to be a massive favorite in six of their eight matchups. It is really, really set up well if they get to play these games. I think they're kind of going to get the Clemson treatment moving forward where if they don't win a game by, like, 30 points or something yeah. like that, everybody's going to be like, what's wrong with Ohio State? Yeah, as they should. Um, the, the Big Ten did, and I'm not saying this is a, a bad move or I'm mad about it. I'm just I'm just calling it what it is. Um, the Big Ten gave them, clearly, uh, an easier route. Um, I There's think, no doubt. Yeah. To get, uh, you know, because, and it makes sense because it's an eight-game eight schedule and, especially with all of the backlash they have faced all offseason, especially right before the season, and, and now being, I was, I was going to say the, the last conference to start because I don't consider the Pac-12 Pac to really matter. But honestly, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are the same to me because the Pac-12 is Oregon, They're just flat out. They have USC, which is basically Michigan, but doesn't matter this year. Mm. And, and you have one contender that's possibly a contender. Now, obviously, Ohio State, I think, is better than Oregon um, and, and has a better chance of getting the national title. I, I think... Before the season, I remember saying, I, I, I really think that Ohio State has a good chance to win it all. Like, they, they could be one of the best teams in the country, and everything we've heard around Columbus would say so. It blows me away that the treatment they get as a national brand, though, because I, I think Ohio State is almost, it's, it's almost less like Clemson and more like Georgia to me, because besides last year, they always seem to slip up. Like, and I know they won the Natty in 2014, but there's always like one game they should definitely win. 
and something happens, like Michigan State happened to them, or, or you know, I mean, you, like, I'm not going to get started on the the road record against unranked teams, but I, I feel like this season, especially, there's two voters in the in the AP poll that that after last week had Ohio State ranked ahead of Bama. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't That's really get mind that. Mind blowing to me. But I, I am but, glad that their their whole conference is back because I, I didn't realize that UNC was ranked fifth last weekend. I had no idea until the game started. Yeah, UNC being ranked fifth and Notre Dame being ranked fourth. Let's just say that raised some eyebrows after yeah. the performances that they had. Um, but that that's kind of the way that the top is in college football right now, and it feels like there is such separation. And that that actually, I think, benefits a team like Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the way that the conference is perceived because on one hand, you look at Ohio State's best competition coming into this year, who they're going to face in their second game of the season was Penn State. And you could make the case that Penn State lost their best player on each side of the ball. Right. We already knew they are going to be without Micah Parsons, the All-American linebacker who opted out. And Journey Brown, we found out the other day, is going to be out likely for the year with a medical issue. So that that in itself would suggest, okay, Ohio State's path could not be easier. By the way, one of those two games that I said Ohio State wasn't going to be a massive favorite in was at home against Michigan. Michigan, who, by the way, is dealing with all sorts of issues in terms of personnel, losing top receiver, new starting quarterback, just being Michigan, all those things. Right. So, like, is it possible that Ohio State struggles to live up to this standard where we're expecting Ohio State to just be essentially Clemson and we're expecting those 70 to 7 random games? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a I think that's a tough thing to, to live up to, but I think the Big Ten as a whole probably got a little bit of momentum with having four All-Americans opt back in in right. at the start of the year, which is certainly going to help. But it's, it's going to be very interesting now that we're, we're throwing another conference into the mix. Right. And, it's, and the, just so everyone is clear, we're, we know we're an SEC podcast. Um, the main reason we were bringing up this one team is because I'm not going to talk about the entire Big Ten at all even though they're starting back um, this this week. But but basically... And because there's, it, it impacts the, the, right, the two SEC team in the playoff. Yeah, Right. So, like, it's, it's basically how how will this impact the SEC? And it, it really is just Ohio State, because I don't think anyone else... Like, like I think this is maybe not right in a, in a number of ways, but I think it's true, and you, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but if a, if a team like Minnesota, or even Wisconsin now, like, ran the table in this eight-game schedule... I don't see them getting in over a nine and one SEC team with the gauntlet they've gone through, and I don't. I don't see them getting in over a, a even maybe a nine and two uh, SEC team if, if it's like a loss in the actual SEC. I think it would game. be a nine and two, a nine right. and two, based on what we've seen from the selection committee in years past and how they yeah. evaluate that second loss. But I agree with your point that there's yeah. something to be said for that because. Yeah, we're so, and this is what I've been saying throughout the offseason and applied to the SEC as well, we're so entrenched in our preseason yep. um, determinations of what a team, what a conference is supposed to look like because when you don't have these non-conference Power 5 games, we're like, okay, well, we're going to look at the top 10. We're going to see that Ohio State is obviously was a top 2 team to start off the year and Penn State was a top 10 team to start off the year. And if anybody other than them gets in there, then it's probably, oh, well, the conference, those teams were just right. down. Because they haven't been able to overcome those teams in years past, so why would all of a sudden yeah. they be able to do that in a year like this? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you in a lot of that, too. And I, I, I do think that Ohio State is a fantastic program. The way they're recruiting, at, especially at this level, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for them. I mean, Ryan Day, like, the sample size is small, but the sample size is great. And, and you look at what Urban Meyer did there, just ran roughshod that entire damn conference for, for years. So I think um, – I, and I guess a better example would have been not nine and two, but like 
the example I keep bringing up, if like a 9-1 and one Florida or Georgia gets to the SEC championship and beats Bama, and Bama was somehow undefeated, right? Or another team that um, like that. Like I, I think if you have two teams that are 10-1, and one, and, and despite not being a conference champion, I think that team definitely gets in over any undefeated Big Ten team not named Nebraska and maybe Penn State. Yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting to see the way that we talk about these teams. And and a weekend like this where we all of a sudden have seven Big Ten games and there are only four SEC games, the SEC yeah. takes a tiny bit of a backseat nationally, at least. We're going to see college game day in the Twin Cities for that Michigan-Minnesota game to start off the year. They're expecting snow up there. I hate yeah. Big Ten so much. Just They'll still somehow <laughs> turn let's move on the SEC not going up there to play in snow because they're scared <laughs> of the cold. Let's move on to something that you don't hate. We've got at least still, thankfully, four SEC games, picks, over-unders. You want to start off with Auburn, Ole Miss, a game that I think both of us are having a tough time figuring out. Is that is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. I, I, well, and mainly because I'm back into that whole, like, lack of confidence mindset of, what do we even know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And now the, the schedule change, which I didn't know about until after Sunday, like when I was talking <laughs> about Sunday. these schedules. And I'm like, I'm going on and on during the, the podcast, like about Kentucky. I'm like, I don't know. Kentucky's got Georgia and Florida in the next two weeks. We don't know what that's going to look like. And then I'm completely wrong about that. So I, um, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous because it just, the way 2020 has gone from week to week, you just, you never know. Yeah. Auburn, though, as you guessed, oh, we know about them, three. Yeah point favorite yeah. spot on very very good i i'd guessed auburn was going to be a one and a half point favorite but you nailed that the over under that i have is bo nicks passes i set the over under at 33 keep it, in mind he is averaging 35 pass attempts per game bo nicks why it absolutely has to be less than that like i this i don't right? under- we cannot keep trying. Stop making this a thing. I, this it's, I don't. It's fetch. The Auburn passing yes. offense is fetch. It, with a, a thousand percent, I, it makes no sense to me. But it, it, it has to be. There's never. There's not a better opportunity on their entire schedule. Like they don't play Vandy, yep. right? Like like there's not a better opportunity on Auburn's entire schedule to get right, especially on offense, than in this game. Like it. If you can't. If you. If your offense looks inept. If Chad Morris's play calling looks bad here. You got to start over. Like I mean, like yeah, just like just, the, the just start over. Is, just yeah, you know what you should do that. at that point. Just become a service academy team. You know that yeah. Gus has that in the back pocket. You know oh what? Just God. go to the triple option. Let's let's just call it what it is. Let Bo Nix run out there. Throw JJ Pegues, the three hundred pound wildcat yeah. quarterback. How does that guy not get a carry after what he did against Arkansas with a spin and a hurdle in that game? How does he not get a carry the week after that? I, that's just Chad Morris ineptitude one hundred and one. Tank Bigsby is only averaging 12.5 carries per game. Okay. He's averaging a third carries per game compared to Bo Nix pass attempts. That That is just wrong on every Absolutely possible ridiculous. level. Absolutely. I mean, like, and listen, as much as I give Auburn fans a hard time about or in, in the program itself, because I don't think this is a good football team. It's not. And, and there's a lot of reasons why. And part of those reasons are coaching decisions. Like, it, not not because, like, the players aren't good or whatever, but, like, Tank Bigsby, okay, let's let's learn about him. He's fifth in the SEC in rushing, right? You know how many carries Tank Tank Bigsby have? He is, he's a, he's fifth in the SEC in rushing with 300 yards, right? He has only 50 carries on the season. Uh, he's, he's averaging the highest outside of Isaiah Spiller, the highest yards per carry out of anyone in the conference. He only has one rushing touchdown. 
Why is he not getting the ball in an offense that has always been about the running game? It blows my mind because yeah, all that dude does is break tackles. I mean, he's fantastic he to watch. He's so good. It, like, think of it, any Gus on offense ever that's been successful, especially, like, ever, where, like, it is, I'm not saying that Bo Nix is Jeremy Johnson, but Jesus, man, like, like he's not not Jeremy Johnson. And, and there's always been a running back when they've had success. Trey Mason, on Johnson, Booby. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I've got some advice for, for Chad Morris, and it's a lesson that I learned in my last week of college. Literally, my last week of college. For my entire time during college, I pretty much, you know, like, I, I joined a fraternity my second semester of freshman year. Sick. I, yeah, I didn't live in the, in, the, in the fraternity house, but I lived with four of my fraternity brothers right. in, a, in a different house that was, uh, that was just off campus. And I kind of, like, always hung out with them. And, like, to be honest, I don't really talk to anybody in my fraternity that much. Like, I'm, it's not that I, like, had, like, a falling out or anything. I just didn't really hang out with them as much. Yeah. And instead, like I was on the student newspaper at Indiana and I went there and I, I did, you know, like I, I, I went there and I wasn't necessarily going to socialize with people in the newspaper outside of work until I started, you know, ultimately hanging out with my now wife, Lauren, right. who sat next to me when I first started off. But I went on a bar crawl the last week of college. That's right. Two beer Connor. This is before two beer Connor became a thing. And I went on a bar crawl my last week of college with all of the people on newspaper, all these people that were in my class, and I got along with them so unbelievably well, and I kick myself to this day because I say, why didn't I spend all that time in college hanging out with them and people who had similar focuses to what I was doing? And I, I, I just, I was so frustrated with that. So my lesson to Chad Morris is, look, man, take Bigsby as your guy. That is your yeah. horse. You need to be willing to just say, hey, maybe we don't throw the ball 35 times a game. Just because I've done that in the past and it's worked doesn't mean that you should continue doing it because you're going to get to the point where it's like the last game of the regular season. You're finally going to give Tank Bigsby 30 carries and you're going to be like, holy crap, he ran for 200 yards. I probably should have been doing that the whole time. Right. Chad Morris, just, just wake up and listen to Connor last week of college. Yeah, I mean, that's really – that's – Man, you should have been doing way more bar crawls and, and way less uh, writing you know, for the paper. Join on paper. Uh, Probably. Something that's fine. Teach their own. Like, like uh, Chad Morris needs all the advice he can get right now. It's just There's not a person that has looked worse in this conference than Chad Morris. It, Chad Morris is like, who's the fat Kardashian? Like, the guy? Who's, who's the the big one? Like, the only brother of the whole group? That's that's Chad Morris. He's just, he's constantly O.J. Simpson. Not O.J. Simpson. But outside of him, he's the one that looks the worst in his family. I cannot remember his name, but it's the brother Kardashian. And so that guy, I mean, Rob, if it's Rob, yeah. Rob, no one calls him Robert. But yeah, Rob Kardashian. Um, he, like that, that is Chad Morris. He's always on display. He always looks like crap. And, and like, but for whatever reason, he's just always around. And you, I just don't understand how somebody could have this little self awareness. And I think it pairs perfectly with, with, with how Bo Nix has been, stuff he said in the, uh, I mean, like, I just, I, I don't know if I'll ever get over this season. That just absolute ridiculous escape from from defeat that they should have had against Arkansas, and then to still be so brazen to, as to go in and say, like, kind of talk trash and get a dig in at Arkansas, who just should have beaten you. This this team is is two and two, right? Because they are technically two and two, but like they, they should be one and three. Or yeah, like, and you could honestly make a case. That besides one half of football, 
They are 0-4. Like, they, I mean, they've been that bad all season. Like, get the play-calling duties out of his hands if you have to, or split them, whatever you need to do. Like, you look at Bo Nix, and, and this is somebody that's throwing the ball 35 times a game? 35 times a game. Too so he's he's last in the conference in completion percentage for starting quarterback. 54. 54%. 54.9. We'll round it up. Um, he's he's 13th out of 14 uh, in yards per attempt. So last, second to last, only has five touchdowns, which is like uh, I think the third least out of any starting quarterbacks, and it has the third highest amount of interceptions. His touchdown to interception ratio is 1.25. That is garbage. This, though, the good news for Arkansas is that Seth Williams should be able to follow the Traylon Burks path. Traylon Burks had a monster, monster day last week against this Ole Miss secondary, even though that Ole Miss defense was actually, like, okay last week. um, Arkansas also had a lot of success on designed runs with Burks, which, paging Anthony Schwartz, that should be a very obvious thing to Chad Morris. How does Lane respond, though, after Barry Odom stole his lunch money? Is he going to have Matt Corral out there forcing throws? We are expecting to see more John Rice Plumley. Matt Corral thought, admitted, admitted, Ty Richardson had the clip. He admitted that he thought it was going to be easy against Arkansas. It wasn't. Getting humbled sometimes like that yeah. can, can potentially help you. Man, I have to think, though, this is a gate right. This has to be a get right game for this Auburn offense. I have to think that they're right? going to be able to cover three points against oh. an Ole Miss defense that has been. Bad. Just bad. So, you know what? I'm going to take Auburn to cover and just kind of close my eyes and hope it happens then, I guess. Yeah, so I I tell you what. Vegas just absolutely – I mean, just a, a ballsy move from Vegas to put a three-point favorite uh, next to Auburn's name because you literally have last week their three-point favorite on the road against South Carolina. They lose outright. I told you last week going into that game they were 2-7. and seven. They were two and seven in their last nine road games mm. under Gus Malzahn. They're now two and eight. They're going on the road to Ole Miss, which is, listen, I, I don't know if Ole, if Ole Miss was coming off the Bama game to here, I would feel more confident in that. I, I think if you're going to bet on it, the un, the best play is the under. I don't think they're either team is going. They're not going to combine for seventy and a half points. That's that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, but I tell you what, you look. You, Everyone keeps pointing to Auburn's running attack, which they don't use against Ole Miss's rushing defense. Look on the other the other side of that. Auburn's rushing defense is ranked ninth. Like this Kevin Steele defense that we we just talk about nonstop about how great it is, hasn't been that great. And and they've looked really bad in the second half of games, especially. And I, I think besides Kentucky, I, I think I'm, I'm I would I'm gonna take. Auburn to win just because of what happened last week with Ole Miss. I don't feel confident about it, and I, I don't think they, they cover. I, I'd like to play a save, I would buy a hook, but I'll say it's like 34 to 33. Mm, yeah. I would I would honestly want to pick Ole Miss outright, but I'm saving my upset for something else. I don't feel good about this pick. I don't feel good about yeah. this pick either way. Um, I, I could I could talk myself out but, of it in, in every possible sense. Are we crazy to think that like the solution to the problem it seems pretty simple, right? If there's two teams right now in the SEC who seem like they have a very obvious problem that even the casual fan could be able to fix, it's Auburn, it's Mississippi State, and it's the same remedy. It's just it's run the football. Just trust yeah. that you can run the football and do so at a rate that's at least going to be average and dig you out of this hole of crap that you're sitting in right now. I just don't get it. Anyway, 
Kentucky, five and a half point favorite on the road against Mizzou. I guess Kentucky minus four. You said Kentucky minus five and a half and that you would jump on Mizzou. So you, my friend, nailed yep. it. Knocked this one out of the park. Two in a row. Goodness. I'm pretty sure I nailed the opening line for Bama. You was, nailed, I think you I think nailed like all four. of these. Did, <laughs> did you look at this ahead no. of time? Because No, and I, trust man. me, in the past, I have definitely tried to do that before and not tell you. This was not one of those times. Um, Thanks for admitting that now. Yeah, well, it was like last year, and it was like for one game. But, I mean, yeah, this was uh, – like it was like the, one of those lines that had already come out. But I think it was um, – this game – this I honestly, outside of the Bama game, I'm more excited about this game than, than maybe any of them. I, I think this is a really – that Ole Miss-Auburn thing has my, my blood pumping right now, to be honest, after we just talked about it. But, <laughs> I could tell. I but could this tell. game – like, I mean, it's only four games in conference this week. I, I think this is – one of, if not the best matchup, because it's it seemingly, think about the last time Kentucky went to Mizzou. It was a terrible game to watch, but incredible finish. And, and it was very, very close. What? That sets me up for my over-under that I have. There you go. The replays of neighbor Terry's walk-off winner at Mizzou. I set the over-under at a very modest .5. Will they show that? They have oh, yeah. to, right? They would have to. Yeah. And then, it, But that's also... And I don't know why they do this to Mizzou. It, it, like, as an outside fan, I, I'm, I'm sympathizing or empathizing with, with you guys. I don't know the difference of those two words. But, like, every time I watch a nationally televised game with, with Mizzou, they seem to bring up one horrifying memory. Like, the, like the, the fifth down, the, the game against Nebraska with the kicked ball up in the air in 97. Mm. This is another one of those. Like, this is right up there with it. They should have never had a chance to win that game. Kentucky should have never had – I mean, I'm – we love we love Kentucky on this podcast, and we love neighbor Terry. But just you know, speaking facts, they'll show it at least once. I would think. Like I would think Terry Wilson still play. Yeah, a little, little montage going. Um, Eli Drinkwitz said that they prepared for three different teams for this <laughs> matchup. That's that's twenty twenty. I mean that that's kind yeah. of just the the way that things are with with how much this schedule is in flux and now all of a sudden you're preparing for Kentucky and you're right it's a great sneaky matchup with this Mizzou offense with Eli Drinkwitz that looked like it found its mojo against LSU yes I realize it's LSU but still looked like they found something a little bit with Connor Bazelak as the starting quarterback and this Kentucky defense that we've talked a lot about turning the corner all yep. they have done is force these takeaways I have a little bit of a theory that I want to throw at you okay I mean it's Take it for what it is. What did LSU do in week one? They had a horrible defensive game plan Shit against Mississippi State. Yes, definitely did that. Kentucky then does the opposite of what LSU did, mm -hmm. and then they win that game against Mississippi Ooh, State. What, what, did, what did LSU do in week three? They had a horrible game plan defensively yes. against Mizzou. Kentucky likely will do the exact opposite against Mizzou, and maybe they'll win. My theory is that Bo Pelini is tipping off his old buddy, Mark Stoops. And Bo is getting that $2.3 million no matter what. That we know. LSU's paying that money. That, that's guaranteed. Uh, he takes that money, starts the bank, of course, mm -hmm. while Stoops continues to get raises as Bo Pelini sets him up. And it's like, wow, what a great defensive mind Mark Stoops is. Just a couple of Youngstown boys that are hustling, trying to make a buck. Makes sense. I'm not saying you're wrong. What I, I am you. saying is, I I think that Mark Stoops is is one of our, mine and, and our favorite coaches in the SEC. 
he's a smart guy. And I don't think that uh, he is. Even he, if he's best friends with Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini, this is not the year to be asking him for advice. Because Bo Pelini is the only person that hasn't been able he's to He's telling him what not to do. That's the thing. Ever, and everyone he's setting else can this up. Do that. Everyone else can do that. Like, li- literally everyone else. I don't, I don't even know if Bo Pelini knows that he messed up game one still. I, I just feel like... From the stories that I've heard about Bo Pelini, I feel like he, I could easily see him still defending it. Like, I, like, yeah, they scored 44 points, but that kind of situation. I mean, that defense looked like it was deliberately trying to lose. Yeah, really <laughs> Those bad. two games, it was so bad. My goodness. Uh, so that's also, that will probably lead into my why LSU can't cover that six and a half against South Carolina. Because Kentucky hasn't played South Carolina yet. Bo Pelini's got to show us what not to do against South Carolina, of yeah. course, so that would that would make perfect sense. But one last thing on this Kentucky matchup with Mizzou. You know, it's interesting because Eli Drinkwitz and, and this team coming off of a bye week where they should be feeling really good. Mm-hmm. And they should be feeling like, hey, we're, we're a home dog against a Kentucky team that is riding high right now, that has just been getting takeaways at will. If Mizzou can actually play like a team that doesn't just fork the ball over like Tennessee did or like Mississippi State did, all of a sudden you're putting this defense in a different sort of position and put a lot of pressure on that offense. Having said that, I'm still taking Kentucky because this defense is just playing so unbelievably well right now, and I can't imagine any scenario in which they look as bad as what LSU did against Mizzou. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, It is weird because I feel like if if there wasn't a a forced bye week because of COVID, Mizzou would have so much more momentum. Like, and also, if they didn't spend time during the two weeks preparing for three separate teams, that probably would have helped, too. Yeah, it's not um, ideal. It's, it's, it's one too many teams, Eli. Um, but I think this is this is a, a very big, you know, what what do we believe type of game. Because because Kentucky, I've been off on all season. Like, Kentucky, like, I, I thought they were going to beat Auburn, and they Same. lose. And then I thought that, you know, the, the week two thing against Ole Miss – they were going to win. They lose, and and then after that, the opinion that I had formed was the secondary was terrible. That's obviously not true. Like it's like because they just got torched. I, I there's there's a lot of momentum, and you know how I feel about five and a half point spreads because seventy two percent of teams on this stat that I read in mm. two thousand twelve, we don't know how accurate it is anymore, but seventy two percent of teams don't cover um, five and a half point spreads when they're favored, and on top of that, this is on the road. Like I will say, I think that. It's tough because Mark Stoops is five and one, or I'm sorry, what's he six and one against Mizzou? That can't be right. He's won. He's won what? five in a row. I know he's won five in a row against Mizzou. Um, yeah. I, the they've won those games by more than five and a half points, except for the game two years ago. The other side of that, which was I'm saying, like like who is each of these teams? Mizzou, we know what they did against LSU. The goal line stand was incredible. The offense looked great with Connor Bazelak. but you look at their first two games against Bama and Tennessee. 322 total yards and 19 points. 344 yards against Tennessee, 12 points. Is that all because the quarterback? Is Did they figure it out with Basilak now? And it, Or, the third part of it, or is it just LSU's defense being that bad? Like, like do we think yeah. Kentucky's defense is now great because they've been aided by the two worst quarterbacks in the SEC with Garantano and, and KJ Costello? Or, you know, did Mizzou win because LSU's defense is that bad? I don't know, Connor. I don't know at all. I'm taking Kentucky to win. I'm going to take Mizzou uh, to cover. I think it's a close game. And both of these games, by the way, the the only thing I would feel confident in betting in is like teasing the home underdog and the under. Like, because it's just... What would you tease it to? 
So it would tease, this one would tease to 54, which still doesn't seem that, that, uh, it still doesn't seem high enough, honestly, for like value. But the under has gone like, I, I think, eight or nine and three in the last 12 games for Mizzou and, and, and obviously, you know, Kentucky's defense as well. So that's, that's what I feel better about. Okay. South Carolina is going to be a six and a half point underdog on the road against LSU. I guess LSU minus seven. You had LSU minus six. That is a collective win for the podcast. What's it currently at? I checked this, oh, probably like three hours ago. LSU What's it fall six. down to? Uh, I don't know, but like, I, as soon as you hear this, bet on USC. Okay. Because, uh, well, and by the time people are listening to this, probably they're going to know definitively, it does not look like Miles Brennan is going to be playing in this one. Coach O said before the Florida game was postponed that if that were to actually happen, that Miles Brennan would not be playing. Um, not, not ideal that your, your starting quarterback is dealing with what appears to be a, a serious lower body injury. LSU's backups, um, true freshman. T.J. Finley, uh, Max Johnson. After this weird offseason, that is not a great option to have to turn to. Now, we've seen, obviously, teams in the past that have been willing to turn to true freshmen. And we've seen situations like Jake Fromm in 2017, where all of a sudden he's thrust into the starting lineup in the season opener when Jacob Eason goes down and the rest is history. But the problem is that after the offseason that's been, with so much turnover for LSU, this is not a good spot to be in. And I tend to think Coach O wishes he had himself a grad transfer quarterback right about now. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, um, without a doubt. I, I think that uh, it sucks for Miles Brennan, first off. And and I, from what I've heard, it's not like a one-week thing. Like This is like something that could potentially be... This was the concern with him yeah. starting in the first place was that... And then I'm not like blaming the kid or anything like that, but this is when LSU fans were like, yeah, I'm worried about Miles Brennan starting. It's because you're worried about the durability. How is he going to hold up for an entire SEC season? And it's unfortunate that LSU three games into this year is already having to deal with their starting quarterback who's finding some rhythm, now going to be um, likely out this weekend and potentially more. Yeah, so I think that... Um, this game, I tell you what, Bo Pelini, you had an extra week. You had an extra week to, to get ready and, and, like you said earlier, like get right. I, I don't know. I, I wonder how much of this, of, of like schematically on offense and defense, that this is going to change, that LSU is going to change. When, when you have – the defense has obviously been awful, just absolutely god-awful. But the offense without – we talked about all offseason. How is it going to change from looking without Joe Brady to just Enzinger – without Joe Burrow to, to Miles Brennan. Now you've got a freshman quarterback possibly coming in to start. So, like, what is it? Do they change, the, like, the types of play calling? Are they not as aggressive downfield? Because Miles Brennan was putting up really, really good numbers, right? I mean, so yeah. I, I wonder what that looks like. Um, you know, <laughs> but, like, the, the problem either way is defensively. You have to keep yeah, people out of the out. end zone. You know, I know, that again, the goal line stand, they were one yard from winning that game against Mizzou. But... This defense is suspended. Like it, you, you take away the Vandy game, which I think is always the ultimate equalizer, and it is awful. A Mississippi State team, 632 yards, it's a, an SEC record of 623 yards passing, and then and and like listen, a Connor Bays like in his first start ever, goes on like at home, puts up 400 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions. How are there no interceptions? Like with with Derek Singley and all this talent in the back end, 
I think South Carolina goes into Baton Rouge this weekend uh, under just a cloud of uncertainty that, that, that LSU has in that program right now, especially on the defensive side of the football and now the quarterback position. I don't think Terrence, Terrence Marshall is, is enough to beat you. And we they've not really committed to the run game and had it be effective besides Vandy. So South Carolina, again, this cloud of uncertainty, which is where Will Muschamp seems to thrive. They're going to go into Baton Rouge. It's not a real night game in Baton Rouge. It's only be a fifth of the stadium full. South Carolina wins outright against LSU. I agree with you. No, damn it, Connor. God. You just broke the audio levels, by the I way. I think I did, yeah. Shouting so unnecessarily Why loud. Are There's you, nothing wrong with us agreeing on that. Every time I have that, a, I had, a big upset, you always pick the same one. I had it in the notes. How did you not see this? I don't read the notes. I can barely Goodness read. I have got, I've got 19 tabs open. Yeah, that's probably not not ideal for your ADD. I don't want to say it's going to help Fair. things, but I agree with you. And I, I think that to ask LSU's true freshman starting quarterback right. to do the heavy lifting with how bad this defense is, has been is not great because I don't trust Bo Pelini to make these adjustments. I really don't at this point. No. I need to actually see the adjustments before we can say, yeah, week to week, they're not a total and complete liability. I think South Carolina knows who it is now. And by the way, not sure if you saw this, Jalen Brooks finally getting eligibility from the NCAA. Really cool video that South Carolina put out there. Awesome, awesome stuff. You have another pass catching option along with Shai Smith, who oh, yeah. I think I think Shai Smith can have a big day if Derek Stingley isn't right. Now, we don't know necessarily how much the bye week helped him, if he's going to look like he's 100%. That's a different conversation. But then you look at the South Carolina cornerbacks, and you're like, okay, well, we know what J.C. Horn is capable of. That right. dude's going to be on Terrace Marshall all day. That's going to be really tough for a true freshman quarterback when you're not getting that guy to get separation all the time. That would be tough for Miles Brennan when he's not getting separation all the time. Go ask Bo Nix and Seth Williams about that. But you've also got Israel Mukuamu. Kill the pronunciation, right? Yep. He's coming back for that South Carolina defense. It's going to be a challenge for these wideouts to get open. There's no doubt about yeah. it. I, I, I can't bet on LSU knowing all of these questions that we have about this team and knowing that even the ground game hasn't been a, a sure thing yet. LSU, as crazy as it sounds, yeah, I I think that they dropped to one and three this weekend. Man, I really wish you didn't steal my thunder on that. that was Why? It's not, we're, we're sharing. We're sharing. We both had the same thought. And, and, and here's here's the biggest concern I have, by the way, it, it is for as great of a job that Coach O has done, and we give them so much credit, and especially on that offense, and, and the numbers Joe Burrow put up last year. I, I One thing I said about, like, because people just, LSU fans specifically, were very high on Miles Burden. And, and to be fair, he's done really well in this offense. He has not put up Joe Burrow numbers. It's not been like a, you know, next man up pick up where he left off type thing. But out of all the great things from like a, a you know preparedness standpoint that Coach O has done, the one thing that they have not done at all over the past two seasons is prepare a backup quarterback. And, and getting that guy in and mop-up mm. duty, getting that guy in like some valuable reps. I don't know what goes on at practice. I'm sure that the backup is getting reps then. But for the past two seasons, it, it, it has seemed more like a, you know, one guy getting a majority of all all the uh, what do you call it? reps and and if you don't believe me like what I kept saying in the in the uh, the uh, off season was if my this think about how historic that offense was why did Miles Brennan only have one touchdown like how is that possible they were blowing teams out he only had forty attempts that season and and, and had one touchdown one interception um, the year before by the way 
there were only there were three other players that threw a pass. He was banged up, and they were, right. they lost quarterbacks at the start of the year. That 2018, right. I'll give a little bit of a pass, not as much. Regardless, regardless, you still need to get your backup quarterback reps, and they were also good that year. And so, why did they only have a, like why did they only have backups that were combined eight passes that season? 2018, they had they had Lowell Narcisse. I know. I Narcisse. Yeah. And then they also they also they lost. They didn't they didn't sign a quarterback in a class. And Justin McMillan also right. transferred. Miles Brennan was injured for the majority sure. of that year. And you're thinking if you want to bring in backups and potentially get them injured, you're all of a sudden even more thin at the quarterback position. If so the, we'll give them if, a little bit of pass on that. Sure. If, and we can do that if we want to give them a pass. Fine. But if the trend wasn't that exact same thing year in year out since then. Then I don't think it's I don't think it's a one-time thing that like we would excuse in 2018 because 2019 again why does Miles Brennan only have 40 pass attempts? Because we want to get Joe Burrow the Heisman Trophy exactly. Too. And then you know how many you know how many pass attempts the backup quarterbacks at LSU have this year? They won 41 to seven at Vanderbilt. Do you have any idea? And it, like zero, zero. Not great. Not, Not great. great. So I I think that it, it worries me that you might have put, I mean like that you might have put yourself in a bad situation for what is about to happen and I, and I hate it for Miles Brennan especially. I think South Carolina wins. I, I, I just I think that they go out there. And, and I tell you what, the biggest thing is, too, I don't know what the, the total is on this because it won't come out until, like, the actual game starts. Whatever it is, no matter what, whatever it is, whatever the second half total is, bet the over, like, just flat out. Like, that is like a Clemson and Ohio State first half lock for me because, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, because South Carolina in the second half of games, they're, they're, they're averaging, like, 11 points uh, in the first half. The second half of games, they're averaging – almost 10 more points per game in the second half. It's like 19 points total, and, and, and LSU's the same way, and we know how bad LSU has been on defense in the second half. You take away that, that Vandy game, they, I mean, it's been oh, real bad, real, real bad. Real bad, real, real bad. Speaking of real, real bad and lopsided things, Bama, 21 and a half point favorite against Tennessee. Now, I guess 19, you guess 17 and a half, but that yeah. line opened, I believe. Did it open at 17? It opened at 17 and a half. 17 and a half. Okay, so you guessed it dead Spot on. Yeah. You cheat. You cheated, right? I, I swear to God, the lines weren't even out yet. The lines come out by like like 30 minutes after we're done recording. And if you think that I got up early after being hungover on Saturday night, you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. After celebrating that victory? I don't think so, sir. Okay. All right. Just, just skeptical. 17 and a half, sir. It's very I specific. got three out of four. Yeah, it's pretty what good. What was the other one I was pretty, off on? Pretty, pretty good. I'm just saying. Oh, the LSU game, little, I was off by one point. <laughs> a little too good. A little too yeah, good. Really good at gambling. The over under, <laughs> the over under I have is references to Jared Garantano going rogue. I set the over under oh, at man. two. The better question is how many? Oh, references. It'll be under. But the real question is how many? Like how many? snaps does he get how many total passes i thought about doing that i thought about doing that that's the fascinating question with tennessee is what in the world is this quarterback situation going to look like as of this recording we don't know who is going to be the starting quarterback for tennessee jeremy pruitt left the door open for someone else to start henry to o to o posted on instagram that harrison bailey he wants him to be the guy, which I, I tend to think coming from your middle linebacker, your stud, your future All-American, I, I think that matters. I know that's a headline. I think that actually matters in that locker room. We've seen Jared Garantano look completely awful yeah. recently. We've seen him look awful against 
these rival these rivalries as well. He's been just terrible. And JT Shroud has at least has a career start under his belt, but it was 2019 against UAB, and his one pass in 2020 was an it's interception. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a pick six, but it was an interception. So okay. I guess that's an upgrade. Maybe they go with JT Shroud. Yeah, and it was also it was very Jerry Garantano like because if I remember correctly, it was like on their own twenty or thirty yard line. Yeah, which you know, that's just the Tennessee way. You're gonna bury your team, bury him deep, brother. Yeah, save time. That way you get the offense back on the field, more chance to score points. Yeah, there you go. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so this rivalry that you are very very familiar. By the way, it's just the fourth Saturday in October this year. I know that's kind of oh, weird. It's tough. Yeah, tough I know. Uh, 2006, last Tennessee win against Alabama, of course. Let's do a what were you doing in the fall of 2006. I love playing these games with you. We were in a very different phase of life, I think, because I was a junior in high school, and I was probably either hanging out with my high school girlfriend, which that... I hated that that sentence just came out of yeah. my mouth. I was either doing that, bowling, or playing poker. And I don't say that as like, a, oh, I was so cool. No, I was, I was like, a, I was a loser, and that's what I was, I was probably doing on this given Saturday. So I think, I think, um, I, I'm sure I was drinking. 2006. Oh, so 2005 was like, a, it was like a miserable game. That was like the six-three game. The 2006 game. I'm pretty sure I was just watching it at my apartment uh in bobcat village in millersville georgia by myself um because i just remember that game and the old miss game going down to the wire and me yelling so loudly that we got a noise complaint uh both weekends and they the noise complaint came from the first floor and we were on the fourth floor so over under nine and a half noise complaints you've had in your life oh way over what really just for bama tennessee no, like, I'm talking about just, just oh overall, God, like Connor, living places. Literally in this podcast. Yeah, that's it, a good point. We've had people DM us that I busted their speakers in their cars. I'm really sorry about all that. I, I can't control the volume of my voice. Last week. You I can, mean, though. You can. I mean, I can't hear right, but you're wrong. So, yeah, that's. I'm not going to is a better way to put it. Um, okay. Yeah, 2006, Chris was, was probably, I don't know, like wearing some stupid tight fit shirt and, and had a swoop in my hair, um, drinking like, like Michelob Ultras douchebag hey, low, low calorie that's good yeah i was an athlete then so i had uh, michelob light is the locale one i think right either I, way it i doesn't think matter yeah 13 in a row balls have yet to score more than 21 points during the streak they have hit 20 points just two of those 13 games average margin of victory for alabama 25 oh, points 10 of 13 times it, the game has been decided by at least three scores Last one for oh, you, just notes. in case you didn't have this note as well. Jeremy Pruitt has been outscored 93-34 to 34 in these two meetings. Not great. Not well, great. you know, here's the thing, though. They almost won that game last year, and, and Pruitt, <clears throat> Pruitt outcoached Saban um, is what I heard. So I, I think that I, I think the biggest question for me is how does Bama look coming off of a big, big win against Georgia? Mm-hmm. Is there an emotional letdown? Is, it, is, is Does that game serve as, like, how Bama would look oftentimes – after the LSU game, like you talk about the A and M, like you know, close calls or games against Mississippi State, where you you've come off this this you know the game of the year, which is always for the most part until this year, Bama LSU. Does this serve as does the Bama Georgia game last week serve as that game this season? Is Tennessee able to, you know, with the familiarity of Pruitt and and Saban, figure out a way to keep it close? Because last year was was closer than than comfortable, I think, for part of the game with two out especially. But 
I just, we just saw what Tennessee did last week. And I, I really feel like it's not because of last week that I think they're going to lose and lose big. What worries me more than anything is that they, I feel like they're going to be right back into that whole 2019 mode where they are undecided on the quarterback. They're rotating guys in. Like, they can't figure out like any kind of consistency. And they, they then somehow lose part of their offensive identity because you're changing up like the, the play calls for each guy that goes in. I think running the football is your best bet to win this game. Keep Bama's offense off the field. Bama's defense looked like like for most of the season, to be honest, but also last week against the run, especially. Um, I think that is probably the best option Tennessee has to, to keep this thing close. Tennessee fired defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, co-defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, Jimmy Brumbaugh. Just a weird, weird storyline when people look at Tennessee and they're like, hey, I think the defensive line's been all right. I don't really think yeah. that's been much of an issue. So that's, I don't, there's probably something more to it, but that's just kind of shows you Tennessee is just in a weird spot right mm-hmm. now. And I think Jeremy Pruitt, this is a very pivotal point in his time at Tennessee because I made the comparison. It's starting to have some Florida Will Muschamp vibes to it. Mm. And that's where you're talking about, yeah, he can build up a defense. We know all that. But how much is this quarterback stuff going to continue to plague him? Yeah. And will that continue to plague him this year? And here's the other issue. Because right now, you know, everybody knows about the, the struggles against rivals, right? Alabama, Florida, Georgia lost all seven times. Closest loss was last year's 22-point loss to Bama, of course, which they were right there in that game. People forget that. Oh, under Pruitt? Yeah, under Pruitt. Yeah. Average margin of defeat. During that time, 28 points. There are no more real rivalry games on that schedule after this one until the regular season finale against Florida, which you might think, okay, that's all right. That's all well and good for Pruitt then if he goes on, a, he can potentially go on a win streak after this. But what happens if they get smoked here and then they start to go on that win streak again, which yep. Tennessee has been prone to do? There's still going to be that yeah, but. And we're still going to be like, I don't really know what Pruitt can do the rest of this year outside of the obvious, which is take Alabama or take Florida down to the wire, beat one of those two teams to really sell, hey, I'm the guy and I have this program moving in the exact right direction in year three. That's See, that's the tough thing. I just feel like it's so early, and, and I hate how, it, it, especially at a place like Tennessee, it's, it's like a very quick reaction because people were all on board with Pruitt with that eight-game win streak, right? And now... You're facing a little adversity. You get blown out in the second half of that Georgia game. And it's crazy how literally a game and a half has changed the entire attitude. Six quarters. Com- like, comments. 19 yeah, six, possessions. That's crazy, right? So, and I think, listen, you part of this has to fall on Jeremy Pruitt from a responsibility standpoint with the quarterback situation. You're right. But at the same time, if you can't trot out a guy that has been there for five years and, and he has not been able to progress enough to not throw three interceptions in the first half, two pick sixes, like – that I is threw just two, a, but JT Shroud had, had one of those. But yeah, I'm just like regardless. That is so tough to be able to deal with from from a coaching standpoint. And and I know like like we we talk about Kirby all the time and his his struggles with the quarterback. And and outside of that game yesterday, you don't really see at times where they they've turned the ball over that much. And I feel like some of these games with Tennessee and some of these like blowout losses I, I, I are not really as much on him. And it's still really early, in my opinion, in his coaching career. I mean, it's two years and three games, four games. At what point, though? Toughest conference in the the country. At what point, though, do we have to start saying, if you're not 
you're not getting any closer to those three teams are that's that's what Tennessee is hoping to get to. At what point do we have to say you're not getting any closer to them? You continue to mismanage your quarterback situation. And let's be honest, the quarterback situation has been a disaster for the last year and a half. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's been absolutely the case and Part of that has to come back to the head coach. We're going to talk about the Muschamp thing, about how much he struggled to find that guy and how many times he made the wrong decision, where it was going with the wrong guy with the starting quarterback, and then this guy transfers, and it's all of a sudden Jacoby Brissett goes and becomes a thing at NC State. Like, How many times is that? I'm not necessarily – Pruitt doesn't necessarily have that following him yet because he doesn't have these guys necessarily transferring and, and you know succeeding in other places, which is obviously a really tough look for, for the head coach. But – this is a very important time. If you're willing to say, hey, I'm going to put my faith in Harrison Bailey. I'm going to be willing to say that he's my guy moving forward. Clearly, my locker room wants him. I'm just going to trust the offensive coordinator who we're paying nearly $2 million to to say, go figure it out with this guy and find a way to give my defense a chance. If you can have the stones to do that, yep. I think that that's a key, key moment and something that does kind of define you in year three as a head coach. Yeah, and I think Pruitt is stubborn enough and, and honestly a good enough defensive coach to, to be able to do that. I, I think that, like, you you broke down all of the numbers uh, for the most part that I was <laughs> trying to bring up. Um, but, you know, I tell you, I tell you what, this, this Bama team under Saban, we know about the 13-year win streak. We've heard about it ad nauseum. I just had to write an article about it that was just a completely Homer piece about my favorite moments from it. Y'all check it out. Um, they've, they've won, like you said, nine out of the past 13 13- uh, games by by 21 or more. The only or one of those other ones was also by 20. So like you said, 10 or 13 times they won by 30 plus uh, in these games. Seven out of the last 10 years. Um, they're also six and zero in Knoxville, like under Saban. They're six and zero in Knoxville, uh, and they've won by an average of 28.6 points per game. And they've won by at least 20 or more in the last five out of the last six times in Knoxville. I I, I say all that because. I, I really do expect Bama to cover the spread. I, I, I do. But there's a way for Tennessee to, like, regain all that confidence and momentum by playing Bama close. There's a very easy way to do it, in my opinion. And, and that is because, like, nobody expects them to win this game, right? So the bar is already set very low. Go out and do, do what your offense does best, which is run the football behind that offensive line, which I know had its struggles. I know had its struggles against Georgia. You can run the ball and push this. Like, all the things that we were surprised about last week from Bama with that they did well against the Georgia's great defense, the one thing that, that we saw that didn't change our minds at all was Bama's D-line. Still getting pushed around by, by the offensive line from Georgia, on the run, like in, especially in the run game, giving up 5.7 yards per carry in the first half. Tennessee can do this. They can, they can, push, they can push Bama's D-line around, in my opinion. Dylan Moses is still lost. Run the football keep their offense off the field, and, and try to keep it close. I, th- I think that th- if they go into like the third quarter and this game is within 10 to 14 points, which could happen, then that, that right there is a win and build off that like they did last year. So then, if you are picking Tennessee to cover, you are saying that it'll be the closest rivalry game yet under Jeremy Pruitt. 21 and a half is the spread, and he has yet to stay within 22 or 22 points is, is the, the smallest margin of defeat for Tennessee in one of these rivalry games against Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. Yeah. So you're picking back, Tennessee to cover? I'm taking Tennessee to cover. Backs against the wall. Interesting. I am not. 
I am not. I don't think you could be one-dimensional against Bama's defense. And I know that they've had their struggles at times. I don't think that you can be one-dimensional. I can't trust what they have right now in the passing game. And I think that Bama, even if it does stay a little bit close, and I think that defense keeps Najee in check. But at the same time, I'm trusting Bama to make those adjustments at halftime. And I think that they end up rolling to another comfortable victory against Tennessee. Fair enough. All right. Before we get to our lock of the week, Marler got some new stuff to tell us about our friends at MyBookie. Oh, my goodness. Me and Emery Picker have been just texting back and forth a bunch. And most of those texts, hopefully his wife's not listening, um, are about finding new ways to to fund his uh, kitchen remodel. I think it's kitchen remodel. Ah, good spin I zone. I like yeah, that. You That's like good. that? Um, yeah. and, and, and we are also working with another great friend of mine to help aid in that. And that is MyBookie. Uh, Listen, every single week we talk about this, and, and the, one of the biggest things that, that we have to do is, is pick games. And, and God knows that, that being forced to pick on a team in the SEC in the spread has not been my sweet spot. But, man, Mm-mm. everything else, like the first half bets, which you can, you can only get on some sites even, and one of them is my bookie, first quarter bets, all that I've been spot on, I feel like, for a lot of the year. Um, and my bookie has all of it. All of it. They offer action on everything from from championship Heisman futures uh, to in-game live betting, which is a rush like no other, Connor. Um, You want to ride that wave. Congrats if you were the one one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers, by the way. You didn't even know what those were? They were like fifth or sixth for uh, for odds in the NBA. Think about that. Really? Yes. Um, Fantastic. Again, they they try – iBookie, what they do best, in my opinion, is they start you off – in, in just to get used to winning. You talk about the Chiefs, plus 54 uh, in, in the first game of the year. It's beautiful. Free it's a beautiful money. thing. It's just giving you free money. Sign up at MyBookie today, and they will literally give you free money using the promo code SDS. Claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help, give you a little head start on your winning season. Um, and that's the promo code. Again, SDS. Very simple for you to claim that bonus. So, like I said, stacked UFC cards, college football, presidential prop bets, and also all major sports await you at MyBookie. Sign up today. Begin your winning season. It's winning season, bro. Winning season. Love it. Speaking of that, lock of the week. Technically, it is dead if you took Pitt plus 10.5. But that line got up to 13.5. Exactly. By the time the podcast dropped, I'm pretty sure it was Pit plus 13 because they're without their starting quarterback, which I didn't know at the time when I made that lock of the week. Um, if that's the case, then lock of the week for on my side is technically still alive, so we're good. That means I'm going back to the well. Liberty minus oh. 10 against Southern Miss. What pick. do my Liberty Flames need to do to get some respect? And I mean that when I say my, I really am just talking about Malik yep. Willis, let's be honest. Sure. They beat Syracuse like a drum. They're 5-0. and They've won their last three games by an average of 24 points. Malik freaking Willis is averaging 6.7 yards per carry as a quarterback. There's Heisman Trophy buzz, some people are saying. <laughs> Southern Miss is 1-3. 1-3. Coach Jay Hobson resigned after one game. The Malik Willis revenge tour. Did their it coach continues. also have COVID right now? Um, not sure, but if they if that is the case, then minus ten. Come on, come yeah. on, Liberty. Liberty is 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 just been a walking cover every single mm-hmm. week. And I know I probably just jinxed them by saying that, but just, just if there's one thing that we can bet on in 2020, it's Malik Willis. I, that is such a weird sentence to say. Well, <laughs> um, 
but I mean, you're not wrong. I, I, listen, I, I'm going to say that your lock of the week is alive and well because the first thing I texted you after that game was, I mean, Miami was driving. They could have could have had a, a backdoor cover because that line got to 13 and a half. They won by 12 I turned or ACC Network and watched that. Yep. I, why yep. do you have ACC Network? It blows my mind. I don't know. Um, regardless, I, I think that that Liberty pick is really good. Also, I'm just trying to look at this real quick. They're only a six and a half point favorite in the first half of that game. When you don't, mm. the other team doesn't have their coach. It's at home at Liberty. That honestly might be my lock of the week. I mean, Southern Miss is is almost. Oh God, they're they're almost near the near the bottom of the barrel for uh, for how many first half points they give up. Liberty averaging almost twenty one in the first half of games. I like that a lot, especially that six and a half point in the first half. Regardless, that is not my lock. My lock. I'm not even going with Clemson this week. Clemson, Interesting. Clemson's first half uh, point spread against Syracuse is minus 27 and a half. Syracuse have, bad. Syracuse is bad, but they have not led. Syracuse has always been bad. They have not led Syracuse by that amount, and they haven't covered the first half uh, spread against Syracuse the last three, three straight years. As great and as much of a lock as that been, that has been week after week after week, it has not been. Uh, against Syracuse for whatever reason. So I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to my other, other, uh, I guess, old faithful here. Ohio State is back. I know you're doing that. Ohio yep. State is just as good in the first half uh, of games as Clemson was, especially last year. I told you, back and forth, all year last year, betting on them in the first half was a great, great bet. They're only a 14.5-point favorite uh, against against Nebraska. In the first half. Right. Give me the... Give me the um, your little elevator pitch about why you hate Nebraska, why they're not that good. They haven't been to a bowl game or won Whoa. a bowl game since when? Whoa. I've been to a bowl game since 2016. I, mm-hmm. I don't hate I don't hate Nebraska. I, I'm critical of of the program in itself, I, I think, because Just I tell me what the stat was, in, please. I don't need to hear about Nebraska. Just tell me the stat. Which the the fact that they haven't they haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. Yeah. Love it. There you go. There you go. There you go. You you rattled off like two or three of them the other day. Uh that made me feel way more confident. We'll have to figure it out later. Okay. But um I, I love Ohio State. I'm going to buy it down to 13 and a half. And I also, I love Ohio State full game because it's only 24, right? Like, like it, it's still I at 24. I, I thought it was 27. It's gotten up, it's gone up to 27 at some places. I think it's still 24 at my bookie when I, when I last checked. Mm. Um, they, they are in their last, in their last four games, they played the rest of the last four seasons are 4-0. They've won by a combined 147 points. They've, they've basically won by an average of 37 points in every game. And, and that includes a five-point win. So think about how much of a blowout this has been. I'll take that. Um, I will also take Northwestern. Do you, so I meant to do this earlier. Since the Big Ten's back, I'm going to ask you three picks from the okay. Big Ten, and you tell me if it's a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, Northwestern minus 11. Love it. Maryland dealing with all sorts of depth issues right now. Not ideal for for Mike Loxley um, and what he has to inherit with that program. Northwestern, as bad as they were last year, they returned like almost their entire team. Okay, taking that. Um, the other one here, Clemson. I'm sorry, what? Not Clemson. My bad. Ohio State minus six and a half first quarter. Should I go for the just the the hat trick and do all three, quarter, half, and full game? Yes, I, okay. I would agree with that. I would bank on Ryan Day having a very good game plan after a very prolonged offseason when he's done nothing but watch film. Yes. Okay. And last but not least, this is not a Big Ten question, but it's it's they're in Orlando and you've lived there right now. UCF and Tulane over 72 and a half. 
oh, take the over all day. UCF's defense can't stop anyone. And that yep. kicker, I don't know if you saw the way that that game ended against Memphis. That game was electric yeah. at the end. That was fantastic. I was Agreed. right in that sweet spot, in that 7 to 8 o'clock sweet spot that we got last week. A very rare sweet spot that we get in the SEC where there's no SEC games mm-hmm. going on. And I'm, like, scrambling to find, like, the most, like, interesting game that's going on. Yeah. Last three, four minutes of that game was fantastic. UCF doesn't tackle anyone, though. The over always hits. Right. I like that as well. And um, the other ones I'll just throw out to you guys, Bama is only getting six and a half in the first quarter. That seems like free money. Again, if you can get them under a touchdown in the first quarter, think about what they've done in these games. Uh, take that. Virginia Tech and Wake Forest over 61. UNC, NC State over 60 and a half. And I'm going to go a little little rogue here, Connor. Arkansas State with a teaser, right, to plus 19 and a half and the over of 60 against App State. Arkansas State is one of the best teams in the country against the spread. They're four and one, which is top why in bet, the country. That's why I didn't bet Sean Elliott last week yeah. against them. And I said, I said, hey, I don't, I don't like that that line being so small. I'd like right. it a lot more if it was bought up to like somewhere in the seven to ten range. Yeah. Sure enough, they're terrible. And you, yeah, you know so much about football. Um, it's really good. It's <laughs> a whole weekend of fun. And then, but the the bigger part of it too is App State, who they're playing, is zero and three against the spread. It's the worst in the country. So mm. those are my picks for the week. We'll have some more when it comes out on Saturday as well. Love it. Make sure that you are watching Uncle Chris on Facebook Live. Great stuff. Without further ado, let's go to our interview with our good buddy, Terry Wilson. Neighbor Terry was great. Got to talk about why he's our favorite neighbor, why he cut off all of his hair, learning the ropes from Benny Snell. Great, great interview. I played Two Minute Drill as well. So here is our interview with neighbor Terry Wilson. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Kentucky quarterback Terry Wilson. Terry, let's get to the important stuff first. Coach Stoops said on the KSR postgame show that after the Tennessee win, he was drinking a glass of bourbon on the bus, and he was going to have a cigar when he got home. Uh, You've been in Kentucky for roughly three years now. Is that the most Kentucky thing that you've ever heard someone say? (laughs) I think so, to be honest. You know, I mean, just, just hearing that he has, you know, a glass of bourbon, you know, and and you know he's gonna home, he's going home to you know smoke a cigar. I mean, it doesn't get any more Kentucky than that. But hey, it's Coach Stoops. You know, <laughs> he's 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 a goat in my eyes. So you know, I, I guess that's the way to you know to celebrate for him. You know, it means a lot to him. So that's how he wants to celebrate. That's how he celebrates. <laughs> With the the Tennessee win, you're now the guy who ended the streak at Tennessee and at Florida. I remember talking to you over the summer, and you said, you know, Florida, there's just nothing like it. It was so unexpected for so many people. You guys were confident in that locker room. But how did Saturday compare to that Florida win a couple years ago? Um, I mean, you know, the win that we got, you know, Saturday um, definitely meant a lot to us. Um, you know, our mindset going into that game was, you know, we were going out of the win. Um, you know, and so we were we were jacked up. I mean, we were ready ready to go. Um, you know, I think we, we had a great game plan against those guys. Um, you know, so, you know, that, that W against those guys, I mean, it's something that hasn't happened in a while. So it was just definitely, you know, you know, something that we all wanted to accomplish um, in our time, you know, being here at Kentucky. So, I mean, it meant a lot to, you know, the coaches, to the, you know, the players, to the, you know, fans here in Lexington. So um, <clears throat> it definitely meant a lot to us. And I'm just glad we, you know, come up, out of there with the with the W. All right, Terry. I'm um. I don't know how to say this, but we we have you're you're one of the biggest pieces of this podcast because we've had a running joke about your name, Terry Wilson, 
for like two full years. And I, I don't want you to get creeped out by that because it's, it's, it seems hilarious. We're just going to tell you this real quick. Terry Wilson is like the most neighborly sounding name ever. It just sounds like every guy <laughs> at the end of the cul-de-sac that you always want to grill out with. It's, we love it. We love it. So we always call you neighbor Terry Wilson, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hope that's okay with you. Uh, my question for you is this, because you're going to get a lot of questions about the grill and uh, other stuff for this fake persona that we've built up about you. Um, what is the most neighborly thing about you? You said, what's the neighborly thing about me? The most neighborly thing. Like, Connor loves cutting grass, even if it's not his own grass, which is crazy, but it's, <laughs> it's very neighborly. This is true. So yep. what is your most neighborly thing about you? Um, I, I could say that. I could say cutting grass. I mean, I grew up cutting grass all the time, every Sunday, um, you know, I was always cutting the front and the back, um, backyard. So I, I could, I could say cutting grass really, um, you know, just you know, taking care of the house outside, I guess, you know, it's just something I grew up doing. So I, I could say that. Terry love gets it. it. He gets it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this year has been so all over the place for you guys. I mean, you get off to that 0 and 2 start and it's so many self-induced, very unstoops like things that are going on. I know that you were frustrated with yourself too, and you're you're really critical uh, on film when you look back and you see yourself, and especially you're like, oh man, I saw that running lane, and and all, you know all of a sudden it's like it, it opens my eyes to all these different things. I'm sure there was some rust to shake off for you as well. What did you see on film in those first couple weeks? What are the changes that you've been able to make? Um, <clears throat> you know, just seeing you know. It's been a couple of times, you know, I've been, you know, late on the progression on, on getting to the throw that I need to get to. Um, you know, I feel like that was just some of the rust that I need to shake off. You know, just just once I, you know, trust my eyes and, and go with it. Um, you know, and, and same, you know, with, with, with running. You know, I, you know, going into the season, I mean, I put the ball on the ground, you know, too many times. You know, that's unacceptable. But, you know, just going back and watching it and, you know, just – just seeing those type of plays that I was I was making, you know, it was just it was just the rush, you know. I, it was something that I would, you know, normally wouldn't do. Um, so, you know, once I, you know, I dialed in in the film room and you know just watched those things and seen the things that I could correct, um, you know, which was ball security, um, being more precise and you know trusting my eyes with my reads um, and, and just going through that. I feel like you know it's been helping me, um, you know, but you know. I strive to be perfect on the field, but, you know, I know it's not going to happen. But, you know, I feel like at practice, you know, I take it serious because, you know, it's just going to make the game so much more easier for me. So, you know, just seeing those little things that, you know, I I'm, you know m- might have had a mistake on, um, you know, in the game or you know, at practice, and I just really want to, you know, dial in and try to, you know, correct them. So right off the bat, I'll let you know um... – I am an Alabama fan. I grew up that way. And I will say that call on the goal line against Auburn was absolutely absurd. And I don't think anybody outside of your locker room was, was more upset than I was. Um, it obviously affected the outcome of the game. What was the mood in the locker room at halftime following that and just such a tough, you know, obstacle or adversity to overcome? Yeah, um, I mean, it was definitely t- – I mean, it was tough. I mean, you know, we all, we all thought he was in uh, – and we, we thought we had the touchdown. Um, so, you know, just, just not getting the call that we wanted. I mean, it was, you know, it was like, okay, well, let's try again. Let's, you know, let's, let's get another shot at this. Um, and, you know, and just things, you know, things didn't go in the direction we wanted to. Um, but, you know, the, 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 you know, the locker room, you know, we were, you know, 
just shaking it off, really. You know, we weren't really dwelling on it, um, looking for things that we can improve on uh, for the second half of the game. And, you know, we we just, you know, put it behind us. But it, it was definitely an, an eye-opener. It was a shocker um, that we didn't get that call, you know, on on that goal line. So, um, but, we, we yeah, we, we didn't really, you know, dwell on it. We just moved past it and kept playing ball. Okay. Um, listen, neighbor Terry, full, uh, full disclosure again, last, last, I guess two weeks ago on this podcast, I doubted the Kentucky secondary. It's, it's embarrassing. I'm ashamed that I'm saying it now. Um, but after the loss to Ole Miss, I was very concerned. And, uh, and since then they've had nine interceptions. So one, you're welcome for the motivation Two, how difficult and or helpful has it been going up against those guys every day in practice? Um, I mean, it, it's definitely been helpful. Helpful. Um, I mean, the defense has so many, you know, great players on that side of ball. Um, you know, from from the D line to the linebackers and, and to the secondary, <clears throat> going against those guys each day. I mean, I, I get to see all types of different coverages. Um, first off, so you know, I'm, I have I'm forced sometimes to you know to, to force the ball down the field, um, and make some perfect throws. Um, you know, because some of the windows are you know just small so you know just having that that competitiveness competitiveness against that defense you know it goes a long way um and you know they've they've been showing it on on the field i mean you got safeties i mean it's it's a lot of experience out there you got the safeties you got the corners um they're just all playing together um really i mean we just have to master intensity you know i feel like the offense and defense we play together um and we play how we know how to play uh, I feel like we're unstoppable. I want to go back to when your career started off because I don't know that the average fan realizes how wild your last five years have been. I mean, you get to, you get to Oregon as a freshman in 2016. You quickly realize that the local kid who was the lo- lower-rated cu- quarterback recu- recruit <laughs> in your class was he was really good. Uh, turns out that guy was Justin Herbert. <laughs> yeah. He ends up, of course. You know, he takes over the starting job halfway through, you know, your freshman year. And you're like, well, I've, I've got to find somewhere else to play. You're an 18-year-old, thousands of miles from home. How, how tough was that year as a whole on you? Um, you know, it was definitely tough because it was just something that, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, I didn't know, um, you know, dealing with the, the transferring and, you know, going to JUCO. I, I was just, you know, I was new to it. Everything was new. I mean, Oregon was my dream school um, coming out of high school. You know, it was just a place that I wanted to be. And I could see myself playing there, you know, and being there for, you know, three, four years, you know, however long I needed to be there. Um, so it, it was definitely tough just to, you know, get over that, that hump of, you know, I'm not playing here and I have to move on and, you know, go, go, go do something different. Um, but, I mean, you know, it happens, especially at the quarterback position. Um, it, it's just something that you can't control. I mean, but – yeah, I was behind Justin, and he's balling out in the NFL right now, so it makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, understandable, understandable. Yeah. All right. Your, your year at JUCO, Garden City, which if that sounds familiar to, to our listeners, it's because it was Independence's rival and Last Chance U. Um, I should probably have rival in air quotes because that was sort of built up by them. Tell us what that experience was like walking off the bus and realizing that you're not just playing in a game, you're in a Netflix show. Yeah, it was different. Uh, it was different just getting off the bus and, you know, I have five cameras in your face and, um, 
I mean, they have tents set up out out on the field. And it, it looked like, you know, just like a, a show. I mean, it didn't feel like we were going to play football. Um, you know, even though we were, you know, we were ready for the game. But, you know, it just felt, you know, it was just a different vibe of, of football. Um, <clears throat> you know, so it was just something to get used to. Um, but once we got on the field and we just started playing, you know, I, I really didn't even notice the cameras anymore. Um, didn't pay any, you know, that much attention to it. So, but coming off the bus, it was definitely, you know, something different that I haven't seen because we were in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, and then you have a, a Netflix, you know, crew, um, you know, shooting everybody. So it was it was strange at first, but you know, I forgot about it after the game started. Your uh, your Garden City coach, Coach Sims, he he told me that you did mm-hmm. something only two of his players ha- have ever done. You came from a Power Five school and you didn't keep wearing your Oregon gear. He said that's when he knew mm-hmm. that you were all business. Oregon has some sweet gear. Like everybody knows yeah. Oregon's gear is like top of the line stuff. I, I know the whole like mm-hmm. leaving your dream school thing was probably really tough, but equally important, how hard was it to part ways with all of that sweet Oregon gear? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it was, you know, it, it was it was bittersweet, you know, at the same time. Um, I I left it, you know, at a point in time, I left all my gear um, back in Oregon, you know, because my girlfriend was still down there. So I had left all my gear with her. I didn't even bring it because I, I didn't even want to bring it, you know, because I knew if I would have brought it, you know, I would have brought so much attention. Um, everybody would have been, you know, either, you know, mad or like, hey, I want some Oregon gear, this and that. I just didn't want to bring that attention, you know, to, to Garden City, Kansas. You know, I felt like I was going to Garden City, Kansas to play for Garden City, Kansas, and I didn't want to, you know, um, you know, sport organ gear. So I just, you know, left it behind. You know, it was tough, but hey, I still got it. You know, for a rainy day. Um, but yeah, I just I, I decided, you know, just to leave it behind me and you know, just move on. Nice. Um, so listen, what was the biggest? I mean, you went from Kansas to Oregon to Kentucky. Uh, what what was the biggest culture shock on and off the field going from the Pac-12 to the SEC? Uh, I'd say just being on the Pac-12, you know, the Pacific Northwest, it was just different. You know, I've never been out there. Um, and, you know, just seeing, like, the nature type stuff. I mean, it's, like, it's beautiful out there. You got the mountains, the trees. Um, I mean, it was just something, you know, something different. And, you know, got some hippies out there. I mean, it was it was all types of stuff. <laughs> I mean, um, but, <laughs> you know, just – Coming coming from you know Oregon and going to Kentucky, you know it was it's you know Kentucky is like a you know I call it home, you know, um, and that's you know a lot of people say that, but I actually do call it home. Um, it, it reminds me of Oklahoma City a little bit. Um, it's laid back. It's not too fast. You know, it, it's you know it's relaxed. It's relaxed out here, and the people are great out here. So, um, you know, I love it out here. Um, you know, I'd say I love it more than. I was up at Oregon, actually. Wow. We we asked this question to every Kentucky guest that we bring on. What is your best Benny Snell story? Ooh. <laughs> uh, I got too many. Um, my best Benny Snell story. Um, man, this is that's a good question. I, I don't even. I can't even think. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's definitely—I it, don't know—it's. It, I have so many, um, but I really can't think like 
off the tip of my brain right now. Um, Cash told us Cash told us about the time on his birthday when he walked into the bar wearing like a full mink coat and everybody's like, <laughs> oh, there's Benny. <laughs> Benny's 21. All right, I get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he would, he would do stuff like that. I mean, it's been times that, you know, me and Ben, we'd go to, you know, to a bar, you know, after a celebration, after, you know, the, the big win, um, you know, 2018 year, I, I want to say, after Mississippi State game, after we beat Mississippi State, and you know we we go to Two Keys, and you know I'm with him, I'm with Ben the whole night. I mean that was my boy, you know he still is. That was my boy, so I was with him all the time, and you know it was just crazy, like just being with him. Like I felt like he was showing me the ropes and just showing me how everything goes. Because once we walked in that bar, I mean it's like I couldn't keep up with him. You know it was people all around. <laughs> it was it was it was it was all types of stuff going on, but. You know, Benny, he is definitely one of a kind. I have never met anybody like him. <laughs> never. So, I mean, we're not going to let you off the hook too easily here because, I mean, next question, your best Cash Daniel story. It's a guy we've had on the podcast a bunch. He always cracks us up. What's, what's your best Cash Daniel yeah. story? Cash? Oh, my. Um, I can say <laughs> – I'd just say when – after we beat Florida – you know, just seeing him do the the the, the Gatorade like like he Steve uh, was it Cold Stone Austin or whatever you know doing yeah, so cold, cold. yeah yeah um, yeah and, and and just seeing him do that I mean like the dude's like a rock star to me really I mean and that's how he carried himself I mean he's the coolest dude ever um, but you know just seeing him do that and you know I talked to him after and I was like bro I was like I was like dude you're going viral for that and he was like. He was like, bro, I'm never doing it again, though, because it was, that Gatorade, it wasn't like Gatorade. It was like the, you know, hydration-type Gatorade. You know, they put the salt into it, so it's kind of salty. Oh. And um, he was like, he was like, dude, I'm never doing that again. I mean, it was disgusting. He was like, I almost threw up. Um, I, was, I was like, hey, I was like, it doesn't even matter, though. That that video is going viral. So, uh, you know, Cass, he, I look at him like a rock star, man. You know, he's he's awesome. It would not, not have been as cool if he threw up right after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so, Terry, you'd been growing out your hair since middle school, and you cut it off this summer. Mm-hmm. Be honest, though, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you had your reasons, but did you do it because Lynn Bowden did it, and then he went off last year? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, you know, I, I just felt like it was, it was time for me to, you know, just to, to cut him off. Like, I had my hair for a while, was, you know, 10 years. Um, and it was just literally like, I remember coming at like summer workouts and, um, you know, I was just tired with it. Like, I didn't even want to do anything with it. I was like, man, you know, I'm going to cut my hair off. I kept saying it and nobody believed me. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go cut my hair. And so I just, you know, I just felt like it was time and it was definitely time. It was getting too hot. It was too long. Um, it was just too much to go with. So it was time to go. It's so like you know how people during quarantine like get a puppy or something like that. You're like, I'm I'm cutting off my hair. That's that's what I'm gonna do. I need to come up with some sort of change, and that's that's just what sometimes when you're when you're in a corner, that's what you do. Uh, you also yeah. over the summer became a dad. You um, I, I feel like you already kind of had this calming dad presence in the locker room. I mean, now at this point in your career, you're kind of the the older guy in, in the room. Have you picked up on any sort of dad jokes or dad habits yet? Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't picked up many, you know, dad jokes. I mean, some, some, some guys joke around with me, you know, just saying like the dad strength and, 
you know, just those little things. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I really, really haven't, you know, you know, the guys just ask, you know, how she's doing and, you know, how's everything going and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I haven't picked up any, you know, little habits or anything yet. Not yet. I know it's going to happen okay. soon, though. Mm-hmm. You got to start getting some all white New Balances and cutting that grass, Terry. I mean, we can't we can't keep going <laughs> over this. Um, so, Coach Soups is a guy also we've had on here a bunch, and just like one of the most surprisingly and low key hilarious people we've we've uh, you know had on for an interview. Just just really really funny. Um, what is the funniest thing or story or, or joke or whatever uh, from Coach Soups that you are actually allowed to share on air? Funniest joke, uh, man. I I just say when he gets mad. Um, I mean, it, it was like, I, I'm not gonna say which game it was, but um, we're we're in a game, and you know he comes up to the huddle like it's the offensive huddle. We're like in a, during the timeout, and um, <laughs> I mean the offense. We're not we're not moving the ball like how we should be moving the ball. And I mean, he comes up in that huddle, and I, I mean, he loses it. Like he, his face turns red. And he's just going off. Like, come on, like we, we gotta get it together. Let's get it together. Let's go. We have to go score. Let's go. Like I've, I've seen so heated before, and everybody was just looking at him. And we were like, all right, we gotta get this together because we don't usually see Coach Stoops mad at us like this. Um, so it was just like you know, seeing him like just really live it. You know, I was like, oh my, like we we have to. We got to get something going. We have to get something going. So, I I, could, I I just say you know just seeing him like that. I mean, because he usually isn't you know ever you know riled up like that. I mean, right. Stoops is he's such a laid back guy. Um, and you know, but just seeing that you know it was just like wow. Um, but you know he 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 jokes around with us a lot, and you know we 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 can take it. We definitely can take it. We're we're an older group on the offensive side. Um, so, I mean, you know, we laughed at it after the game, but you know, that, that I could say that when, uh, when Stoops came on the first time we asked him what he would do if he couldn't coach football. And I think we talked him into starting a bank with Bo Pelini and I don't know, <laughs> Bo Pelini, like he might need a job after this year. So that might actually be perfect. You, you said this off season that uh, that this would be your your last year of football H- has that mm-hmm. changed or are you maybe thinking about you know maybe like joining Stoops' staff as a GA or we could also probably hook you up with Stoops' bank you know being a teller or something like that yeah. if that's something you're interested in <laughs> or manager run the bank yeah there you go <laughs> running a bank no this, yeah this is definitely my last year um, you know at Kentucky. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what, what's coming next, but whatever comes next, you know, I'll be ready for it. Um, but, you know, five years in, in college, you know, it, it is enough. Um, you know, I graduated. I made it through. Um, so, you know, that was a big milestone for me, um, you know, in my family. Uh, so, you know, whatever comes next, come next. But, you know, I'm just ready to get, you know, finish the season, you know, finish the, se- the season strong. Um, and you know, whatever, whatever takes me, takes me. So. All right. Um, first off, five years in college is enough. It's, you sound exactly like what my mom would say to me when I spent six years in college. <laughs> so we're not going to get into that, but yeah, I agree. So, uh, we're going to close you out with this. It's a game we play, um, uh, every, with every guest it's called two minute drill. And so you obviously should be used to it as a quarterback, just rapid fire mm-hmm. questions. You answer the, the first thing that uh, pops in your mind. 
We and we keep score. <laughs> We've done it with with Lynn, with Cash, and with Coach Stoop. So you, you got a lot to live up to here. Let's do it. All right. First question: If you were a character on The Office, who would you be? Hold on, I didn't hear that. Say one more time. <laughs> if you were if you were a character on The Office, who would you be? If I'm a character on offense, on the on the office, the show, the office. Oh, yeah, I only watched Office, so I, I couldn't even say. Okay, interview's <laughs> over. That's enough. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, uh, all right. Next question. Next question. More boring state to live in: Kansas or Oregon? Kansas, for sure. No doubt. Fair. Fair. My, my fiance's from Oregon, so she's going to appreciate that. Uh, neighbor Terry has a cookout. First SEC, first non-Kentucky SEC player you're inviting to the, the cookout. Non-SEC? No, non-Kentucky SEC player. Mm, Jalen Hurts. Okay. Ooh, like that. Um, like that. Go-to workout or pregame song? Um, listen to NBA Young Boy. Um, uh, I don't know what song. I don't know a specific song, but I'm listening to NBA Young Boy for any game. I was just going to nod approvingly either way because I didn't know who that was. So, yes, yeah, same. Same for me. <laughs> um, uh, next question. Better quarterback, Lynn Bowden or Jared Garantano? Say the names again. It said better quarterback, Lynn Bowden or Jared Garantano? I'm going with Lynn the whole way. I love it. Love Lynn it. Um, let's see here. Uh, worst call or decision, the no touchdown on the goal line call in the Auburn game or when people put raisins in potato salad? <laughs> um, I say the no touchdown on the goal line. If you said raisins in the potato salad, I've never heard of that. I think that that has oh. to be a southern thing because I've I've never tried it, never. It's just like a white it. ant thing. Like my aunt Brenda does it all the time, and it's obnoxious, <laughs> Terry. I just I don't even know how to tell you how offensive it is. Uh, okay, next question. Um, uh, most neighborly teammate, most neighborly named teammate of yours, Phil Hoskins or Alan Daly Jr. Both of those people sound like they are dentists already. <laughs> I'm going with I'm going with Alan Daly. That's good. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, okay, best thing you binge watched during quarantine? Um, man, uh, dang it! Um, Wasn't the Office? I say obviously. Last Chance You. I say Last okay. Chance You, the newest uh, season that came out. I like that. Um, Last last three questions we have here. You're you were out in Oregon. What is the best flavor of Tillamook ice cream? Uh, you said what's my what? What was that? I can't hear you. The best the best flavor of Tillamook ice cream. I'm not even sure. <laughs> oh, Terry, if we haven't sure. had Tillamook ice cream, I'm gonna have to send you. I don't. I guess ice cream will I'm, melt if I mail I'm, it. But I mean, you, you're gonna need to have this in, like in your life immediately. Um, all right, yeah, last two that. questions. Last two questions. Since you live in Kentucky now, and I know you guys were celebrating after the win, favorite bourbon or go-to drink? Mm, I don't even drink like that. Um, so I'd have to pass on the on that. But 
Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't even know. I don't even like bourbon, to be honest with you. So, Woo. yeah, we'll bleep that part. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. We, don't, we don't need Kentucky <laughs> people hearing that. That's that's cool. We're yeah. Good. All right. So last two, last two. Um, what was a better? What is the next streak Kentucky is going to end? Um, you know, we just look forward to you know winning every you know every game that we can possibly. You know, I'm not I'm not even sure with the streaks that we have um left to be honest with you but you know whatever game we got you know we're gonna try our best to you know come up out of it with a w there it is there's the cliche quarterback answer love it that was incredible incredible (laughs) here um all right last but not least how does this season don't do not give me coach speak on this terry um neighbor terry how does this season end for the kentucky wildcat football team victorious Love it. Ooh, Gonna end victory. That's a walk-off. Yep. That's a walk-off. Yeah. <laughs> last year, that last year we asked Lynn Bowden uh, before the bowl game how he'd want to walk off his college career. Like, how would he score a touchdown? And then, like, I'm pretty sure he did the exact thing that he picked. Yeah. So you're pretty much like, <laughs> just just know that when you say it on this podcast as a Kentucky quarterback, like, it's going to happen. So that is in the books. Kentucky yeah. will be victorious. Uh, Terry, this has been so great. You are our favorite neighbor. We're going to have to have you back on uh, sometime soon. Wish you the best of luck with everything this season, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. We've got a fourth and wrong mailbag edition. I I prefer bag man, but call it what you will. That's fine. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about the LSU thing. Didn't talk about the LSU $180,000 of embezzled money that went on uh, that a that a parent of a former player got sometime through 2012 to 2017 report from Sports Illustrated um, highlighted all those details if you want to go find that we don't need to necessarily get into the weeds too much but stunning yeah. news Odell Beckham Jr. was not handing out fake money uh, what, that is shocking on. to me huh stunned I, I tell you what I think the NCAA is still just a, a giant pile of hot garbage but um it just the obj thing is my favorite because like remember the last time he went to lsu that like a, a year maybe it was like a year or three years ago when he knew the fine for for the band playing uh neck was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he sponsored it and went up to the band and told them to play it and said he would cover the fine that's He's man when you got a song in your mind what you want to hear <laughs> just go up to the dj <laughs> man that is a Quarter of a million dollars to, to hear a song. That is, uh, yeah. That's OBJ for you. All right. We have a lot of great questions. A lot yeah. of great questions. I want to remind people that if you ask us a question about picks, I promise we've already talked about it. So we don't skip that to spite you. But if you ask us a question about picks and some sort of fourth and wrong type thing, we're going to get you. Don't worry. Don't worry. So yeah. don't ask us something else. So the first question, Austin Foster wants to know, do you think that the Arkansas defense can keep can keep up the performances they've been putting out? Yes. Um, but even if they don't, here's an amazing thing. If they tank the rest of the way, if they allow 250 rushing yards the mm-hmm. rest of the year, every game, the last six games, they would still have a better run defense than last year's group, which is That's ridiculous. pretty sad to think about that. Um if they allowed an average of 44 points in the last six games of the regular season, which they won't, 
they would still be a better defense than they were last year. Barry Odom's good. Let's just call it what it is. Barry Odom just keeps drawing up the, the defensive blueprint for everybody else to follow. And you know what? I, I don't see anything with the exception of maybe depth later in the year if they were to lose some of these guys. But, like, they were without bumper pool this past weekend, leading tackler, and it didn't even matter. They won against yeah. Ole Miss and had two guys play out of their minds defensively. Arkansas is going to be a good defense all year. I think I I just yeah. think you, we have to get used to that. I can see that. I, I think they are they're really really. We talk about it all day about how do we know who these teams are. I think that we really know, especially on defense, who this yeah. Arkansas team is. How is Raheem Boyd still not getting like what is going on there? That's the most impressive thing I think too about this start is like if you would have told me that Arkansas is going to be two and two, they should be three and one. I'd say all right, Raheem Boyd's probably playing at an All American level three skill players on that team that have more scrimmage yards than Rakeem Boyd. And that's not including Felipe Franks, by the way. So yeah, it just kind of shows bizarre. you. But I do think that the defense, like like you said, when you're able to plug in, you know, walk-ons and stuff like that, and, and, and still, anytime you get six interceptions, it's it's crazy impressive. And they didn't have to have me say they wouldn't do that. And, and they were a bad unit like I did with Kentucky. Do you want to hear my fun Arkansas stat that I tweeted out the other day? Oh, I think I saw this, but yeah, tell it. That's really good. 2018 to 2019. So we'll just say the entirety of those two years. We'll, we'll give Chad Morris a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, even for the games they didn't coach. Arkansas played 16 SEC games, 960 total minutes of football. They led in those games for 126 minutes and 12 seconds, which really is not that much when you consider if you just score a touchdown in the first like two minutes of a game and lead yeah. throughout, which a lot of teams do, then that's 60 minutes essentially right there, close to right. 60 minutes. So that's like two games, uh, two whole games. This year, Arkansas has played four SEC games. That's a total of 240 minutes, so a quarter of the time. They have led for a total of 142 minutes and nine seconds. They have yeah. already led more in SEC games during the Sam Pittman era than they did in the entire Chad Morris yeah. era and the in the interim after that. That you that know, blows my mind. I think these stories let me let me spin off this real quick. Like these these stories when you have like a, a team that just from like worst to first type deal or is having a lot of new success and and we've seen them, you know, like Kentucky twenty eighteen or and I, I know LSU wasn't like a bad team in twenty eighteen, but like LSU twenty nineteen and you see these these fan bases really start to make themselves known like not i'm not saying come out of the woodwork but they like really start to be able to enjoy it again yeah and and almost like come out of hiding and is there a better fan base that has like a, is there a better like a, a more likable fan base in terms of their team being successful in the sec than than you've seen out of arkansas over the past couple weeks like ole miss in 2015 they were awful like they, they those fans were the worst it, like and then you look at I thought LSU fans were fantastic last season, but they also had a, a, a tinge of arrogance. This just seems like the best, most deserved, and, and like I feel so happy for Arkansas fans. Yeah, Arkansas and Kentucky are kind of the two ones that I think mm -hmm. like their fan bases, because Kentucky, Kentucky football fans, are they have a very different mindset than Kentucky basketball fans. Right. And yeah, it's interesting that you kind of see that, and you kind of see what a fan base Acts like they're they're definitely enjoying this this bye week. That's that's for sure. Kentucky I, fans are feeling, or not Kentucky, but Arkansas fans. Arkansas. They're both feeling really good about the, their programs I, right now. I just feel like all they've had to do for the past two years is like just adamantly defend their program, which has a lot of great moments. And, and like you know, I'm just I'm I'm thrilled for them. It's been great. Let's go to um, <laughs> this one. 
uh, from John Otsuki. He wants to know, can we get a fire gust debate? So, look, I get it. I get it. If we're, if we're talking about this in a vacuum, yes, obviously. There's, there should be frustration. This is year eight. You don't just automatically get guaranteed a decade in the SEC. And I've made the argument before coming into this year that I think with such atypical circumstances, I think it's really hard to justify firing a coach unless it's something like a one in nine season or something like that. The other elephant in the room is the same thing that we've been talking about for a while. The buyout. The buyout is $21.45 million. They don't have the good old boys around anymore. Bobby Ladder's bank went bankrupt, so they don't have that kind of money just sitting in their back pocket like they used to. I mean, here's the thing. I know, I know. In our Auburn fans, you're like, "Hey, Hugh Freeze, five and zero Liberty what right now. <laughs> He's falling. Freeze, I'm gonna freak out." Which you know, I think if that happens, then there has to be some sort of deal where Malik Willis comes back to Auburn, and then he gets to oh, win yeah. the starting job over Auburn. It would be like Andy coming back with uh, with David Wallace at the end, yeah. and he gets to be the boss again. That's a, Malik. That's I don't like that Malik point. Willis is Andy. That I just made that comp, but I think yeah. it works. Um, no, I, I agree with that. I, I, I will say, if you asked me this uh, before last week's game, it would have been a totally different answer. And, and I, after doing those numbers this, this you know, summer about like, like every SEC coach with ranked teams versus the SEC, and seeing Gus's name routinely pop up around four or five in, in a conference that includes Kirby and, and Coach O and, and Saban, I, there's a lot to be made in that case. Again, you looked at it from a total logical standpoint. Which might not be best. <laughs> no, because I think that like the majority of fan bases, especially in the South, are not using that in, in their decisions or their thoughts. And I, I think that we've seen this story over and over again. And whoever sent that message, I wish I could remember your name because it's the best point I've heard made on this in, in years. They're tired. Those fans are tired of going 8-5 and five with a surprise win to Bama every two to three seasons. And, and I think that God, if they brought in Hugh Freeze, that would just be the most beautiful Auburn move of all time. Just we'd, we'd be getting we'd be getting to the point in the SEC where there's like almost too much personality. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Um but but I think that if this season continues to go this badly as we've seen uh especially on offense, I I think at the end of the season you really do let him go and, and, and figure out a different a different solution. Because or at least next season it is like one of those less miles type hot seats where or like where if he doesn't if the first loss is the last loss, like of the, of next season, because this is at this point you have never developed a quarterback. Scott Lashley is is now having like Rhett really Lashley, good success. Yeah. Rhett Lashley, sorry, really is having really good success with the offense at Miami. Yeah, I feel like it's just falling on him and, and his hires. I just Kevin Seal, you're right, like to an extent, like Kevin Seal just has to be sitting over there in his office, like what in the actual f do I have to do to, for, to get us to win games? Because this is ridiculous. It's the first time I've heard you compliment Kevin Steele in a hot minute. Good to see that you still That's had that in you. Crazy overrated, but yeah, go ahead. He's top 20 defenses year after year, four years in a row when the Auburn offense hasn't Man. been very good with the exception of 2017. Just throwing that out there. Um, all right, let's do this one from Kobe Wayne Black. He wants to know, and this is relevant with these two teams not playing this weekend. Do you still think... GA, I'm assuming he meant UGA, um, will be the hands-down favorite out of the East. Yeah, yes. Just because I think Florida, we're going to really get a good feel for Florida how they come off of this two-week layoff, Mm -hmm. right? 
Like, I think that that is going to determine a lot. How they can look defensively if they have actually made those adjustments. If they come out and all of a sudden it's like, hey, teams aren't just putting up 30 points automatically against this Florida defense. I think that changes the conversation. If you're asking me this now, yeah, I, I think that Georgia has earned the right to be considered the best team in the East and the favorite moving forward. Yeah, and I think also that they are um, is, is one of the big things about that. I, I, you know, I, 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 like most of that stuff that we see, like the FPI and all those other numbers from ESPN aren't great, but one thing that usually does pan out pretty well is that playoff predictor um, and projections because I think it it's, it's pretty close to especially whatever the mindset is and what goes into – um, you know, those 13 people that make those decisions. Georgia's, Georgia's playoff chances dropped from like 47 to 28, I want to say. Florida, you would think that there's dropped from 14% to 4%, right? Um, 4% seems crazy low for a team that is a top 10 team. Uh, and I know they lost AM, but the fact that their odds didn't change at all it, it, to move up. And that line that you still see from, like, the future uh, of this game, I, I believe it actually has gone up in Georgia's favor since the season started, um, from two and a half to, like, four. Georgia's definitely the favorite. That, that that schedule, I'll give you a hot take. Their schedule the rest of the season, Kentucky will be the toughest game they have for the rest of the season and not Florida. Because Interesting. That, I just, that Florida defense, I, I don't – how much could they have fixed in, in like, the bye week when – they had to shut down the program, stuff like that. I, I yeah. just think there's there's too much going on, and and uh, I don't. I, I think Georgia, yeah, definitely is clearly the the favorite of the East still. I would agree with that. Let's do uh, let's do one more here. We got um, Michael Michael J Berman. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of your last name, Michael. Apologies for that. He asks if perchance Mizzou wins this weekend against UK. Should we crown Drinkwitz and Pittman as the flashy hires instead of Lane and Leach? Also, in four years, of those four coaches, who will have been more successful at their current programs? Further, which coach is fired next in the SEC? I think it's too early to say. Yeah, well, so if many he's, questions. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of questions. Um, the next coach fired in the SEC, uh, Derek Mason is trending in that direction. If you go 0-10, that's... Yeah. That's going to be tough with the new AD. just combine Mizzou and Vandy into one team? Geographically, that'd be rough. It'd be really rough. Like, practices would be awful. Like, I mean, if you if anybody that had divorced parents, you had that weird Tuesday visitation thing, and you just had baseball practice, that was always, like, very hard to coordinate. That's what it would be like. But I still think it'd be worth worth looking at, Connor. Practice in, like, Carbondale, <laughs> Illinois. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a location for you. Yeah, home perfect. Of, home of Southern Illinois. Go Salukis. The Salukis. Um, so to answer the, the first question, if Mizzou were to win this weekend, I think Sam Pittman right now among the new hires is is separating himself. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that the, the complete team that we've seen and how ready to go they've been, I think that speaks to how well yeah. he has done with this group so far. Drinkowitz is, is, would, would definitely be in that conversation, and I would 100% be on board with that yeah. because they haven't necessarily – they haven't necessarily had like that big aha moments um, to where it's like week to week sustained success. Whereas like Arkansas, we've seen it a little bit more over the course of the year, but man, I don't hate it. And it just kind of goes to show you, we get so caught up when the coaching carousel spins around and we get so caught up in the flashy hires and some flashy hires work and some are great. And I just think that there's just so much that has to happen after that, that really determines how these things go. 
And I, I think that this is a good reminder of it. But, man, they, if Drinkowitz, especially if he wins this weekend, he and Sam Pittman will definitely will have surpassed my expectations. They would be, you know, front runners in terms of the new coaches right now. Every, every single coach, at least at some point in the season, as, as like a qualifier, every single coach has already surpassed my expectations that I, I thought they would have this season. Now, Mike Leach's has have come back down <laughs> to where they're not as impressive after week at one. At some point this year, I've been amazed by one of these new coaches. Yes. Yeah. Um, or by no, all these new coaches here. Yeah. All, all the other coaches, like, I, I just, I, I think it's so early. Because everyone kept talking about, like, you know, after Pittman's uh, win last week or um, what do you call it, against Mississippi State, is he going to be the coach of the year? Because he's had, I mean, he's had the most consistent success out of everyone, I think, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It, we view that as success because... He's coming off two wins in the past three weeks and should have had a third one. I, I just think that they're all so they're all doing so many things differently, and they've all all already shown like like where like the ceiling could possibly be. Like in year one, right? Beating the national championship if you're Mizzou, uh, taking Bama down to the wire if you're Ole Miss, and then Arkansas doing what they're doing. There's just so much of the season left that I don't know how it's going to play out. I, I think it's. I, I don't I don't know who I would say is gonna have is gonna end up being coach of the year, but I I do agree with the fact that that Pittman has had the most sustained success and is set up to have the most sustained sustained success because of his coordinators. I I just it, I think it's it's gonna be like the Heisman. Like you can tell whoever you think is the leader now, it'll be different by November. Yeah, yeah. Whoever closes hot and all that kind of stuff. And it's still so early to predict four years from now who's mm-hmm. going to be like. Lane, Lane doesn't have his recruits in there. He can't even get meetings with all the recruits that he wants to get meetings yeah. with. And defensively, I think his defense looks really different in a few years when he actually gets two coordinators who know what they're doing as on-field yeah, coaches Jesus and not as recruiters. Just going to throw that out there. Ole Miss fans, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. come on. Um, so I think that's going to determine a lot of it, whereas Sam Pittman, right now, I think he has this, kind of the staff that he would want to build yeah. with moving forward. But It's all you know, set up. Yeah, I, I think he, and I think he'll recruit better than any of them. Yeah, they're already recruiting really, really well for this 2021 class, and even for 2022, they have some good early returns yeah. on that. All right, that was a lot. That was like a two-hour podcast, wasn't it? A lot of stuff. I don't know. A lot of stuff. Um, we have all sorts of great content coming your way. Make sure that if you are not following us on social media yet, and you've heard me say it like hundreds and hundreds of times. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you just don't like social media. That's fine. You should go subscribe to our Saturday football newsletter, Saturday.football. Click the subscribe button. You're going to get all the big stories, not just in the SEC, but all of college football sent directly to your email. Definitely, definitely go do that. Marler, I I know it's only four games. Just happy we got a weekend, man. Just happy we got a weekend of SEC football. Really good. Gladly, gladly take that. What do we need to remember? I might be too much, guys. Talk to you guys soon.